0: Oh, thank you all for tuning in to the 565th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always, wherever you are. However, you may be listening. I want thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Arrow Radio Soundcloud, and/or whichever podcast, the Apple platform. You may be listening to me via, going to have a great show for all you guys today. Going to have Kenny Simmons, Scouting Expert for Trinity Sports, to break down and recap everything that went down for week 11 of NFL action. Now, before we get to the conversation I'm about to have with Kenny, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast to your friends and family. Whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, et cetera, et cetera. Check on the description below. Specifically, you use Spotify. I have everything timestamped. You can click on the timestamp, and we'll send you to whichever part of the podcast you'd most like to listen to, folks. It is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at Nitro underscore lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Step in Daryl Lane. You'll find that I post three to five minute clips of this podcast right here. As well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. And for some obvious reason, I like the pod. Then for right now, we're not, worrying about folks. But just don't say anything. Not a damn thing. Not a peep. Not a hint. Not even a whisper. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Kenny Simon on the show. Cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Kenny Simitha, scouting expert for 247 Sports, to break down and recap everything that went down for Week 11 of NFL action. Kenny, how you doing? How you feeling? How you living, my guy?
1: Doing very good, Daryl. Thanksgiving's coming close. John Madden used to say, "Just stay around 500 to Thanksgiving, and then the good teams make their run." A lot of these teams that make the playoffs. You look at their record right around now to the playoffs. A lot of them going to the playoffs winning six in a row, seven out of eight, seven out of nine, stuff like that. So this is now time for the good teams really begin to make their mark now.
0: Now let's start with Monday Night Football Eagles versus Chiefs Super Bowl rematch. The Eagles flipped the script on the Chiefs winning 21-17 to on the back of uh, Jalen Hurts and company. What were your thoughts on the game, Kenny? I
1: thought the game was really what the Eagles were able to do in the second half on defense. They were down at halftime, 17-7, to after the Chiefs, Scored 10 points in the final couple of minutes of the first half. And then the second half, they shut down the Chiefs. And they were able to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes with four. It was everybody getting involved Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick. And they were able to really do that and make it difficult for Patrick Mahomes when they had those second and pass situations. Um, even some second and longs and then third downs. Patrick Mahomes was extending the play and the Eagles were able to get just enough pressure and just enough duress to make it tough on him. They had a couple of of tough throws that were just over the heads of receivers in the middle of the field where he likes to operate and step up. He was not really able to do that. So I thought the Eagles' defense um, kept – the ball in front of them for the most part, Uh, other than that Valdez Scantling getting behind the defense at the end, but he dropped it. They kept the ball in front, and they were able to really dominate up front.
0: Do the Eagles have the best red zone rushing offense in the NFL?
1: Yeah, probably right up there with the best because really, wherever they start the ball, um, whenever they start their series, I would almost say now it's almost first and eight and a half. So they're playing with about 10% advantage, if not more on teams. And you start about first and eight and a half because whenever it's within two yards, one and a half yards on third or fourth down, you know what's coming—that patented QB sneak the Eagles run. So that is a advantage that they have, and um, you know, even an advantage when it's in the red zone and they could throw the ball in the end zone, trying to get a defensive pass interference to that ball spotted on the one, and then that quarterback sneak is coming. So that's a big advantage for them, uh, definitely in the red zone, but for their entire offense.
0: And honestly, when you look at it, the scary thing here is, we've talked about this throughout the season, on offense, the Eagles weren't particularly that potent. I mean, Jalen Hurts, zero touchdowns, one interception, 150 yards passing. I mean, A.J. Brown was held to only one reception. He's seen on the sidelines screaming at Jalen Hurts. Uh, what takeaways can the Eagles take away from this? Being like, our, the Eagles passing game wasn't even all that potent, and they, they still beat the Chiefs, and Arrowhead.
1: Right. They were working, you know, I, I thought too the um, the Chiefs were getting some pressure on Jalen Hurts and he was struggling with that a little bit, but they were able to work their screen game a little bit with DeAndre Swift and their short passing game. But, you know, Devontae Smith had probably his best game of the year. He's been off to a slow start for... Really now, it's almost three quarters of the season. It's been all AJ Brown, and you know I think they missed Dallas Goddard as well. So this is an offense that, you know, with with Devontae Smith and AJ Brown, they have not been able to have good games on the same uh, on on the same game in the same game. So they know that they're nine and one in the best record in the NFL, and I still don't think they played their best. And Jalen Hurst has um, struggled downfield compared to last year. A lot of his passing numbers compared to last year. They're a little bit down. He's probably a little bit banged up. And, you know, without Dallas Goddard, now teams can hone in on A.J. Brown more or one of those two receivers and kind of shift attention to them and really have to rely on that other receiver who's getting those one-on-ones to make plays over and over again. Because they're a little, you know, other than that screen game, they're a little thin at receiver after those top two.
0: How surprised were you that the Chiefs were able to run the ball on the Philadelphia Eagles?
1: I was not that surprised that they were able to run the ball on them. Uh, the Chiefs have a very physical offensive line. Andy Reid's going to be able to scheme it up. And their, and, and their run game has been solid all year. They, they've honed in on Isaiah Pacheco getting the majority of carries. But it was not at the rate where – they, they did not run it. Um, you know, I was not expecting 168, though, because the Eagles came in. I think they, they were number two in DVOA against the run. They've been stout all year. Um, so I thought the Eagles would so, – so, so, so I thought the Chiefs would have some success, but not to the level at which they did, which they were running it at will. 5'6 a carry. Um, but they're pretty effective running it, especially if you get those two safeties parked in the parking lot, way back deep. That's when the run game could come alive for Kansas City.
0: Yeah, what do you think was <clears throat> a bigger missed opportunity for the Chiefs? The Travis Kelsey fumble or... That drop by uh, Valdez Scantling, I believe, that was Valdez Scantling at the end of the yeah. game. Right? Yeah, awful drop. Which one was worse?
1: They were both. They were both important parts of the game. Um, I'm gonna say the uh, the Kelsey play because that was still a somewhat difficult catch to make for Valdez Scantling who has a lot of drops 20-plus yards down the field. They said at the end of the telecast, I think he got four of those drops this year. But, but but it was the Kelsey play, if I had to pick one of the two, because that would have given them um, that would have given them a 10-point lead again. I want to say that they were up three at the time. So it would have pushed it up to two possessions, and then those red zone turnovers – are critical and sure enough the chiefs lose the game they lose the turnover battle and they had a couple tonight they, they had two two of those um two of those turnovers both of them that they had came in the red zone
0: you know as we you know go past this game uh Is there anything that you've learned about the Eagles and Chiefs after this? Because this was a Super Bowl rematch, right? Uh, Highest profile game of the season to date. Is there anything you learned about both teams as we go forward towards the end of the season? For the Eagles, and
1: it's easy to make this comparison probably because of their success they've had the last year and a half in the conference and probably because they have so many players from Georgia, they remind me like Georgia in college football. In the aspect that they're nine and one, and to actually beat the Eagles, it is going to be hard to knock them out because they're so physical in the trenches for sixty minutes. A team is going to have to a, a, a team is going to have to win against their offensive line and then control their defensive line for the full game and. Going and, and, and having to do that is going to be difficult, along with knocking out their clutch pedigree, their championship pedigree that they've had. I mean, you take a look, and the Chiefs had that game in control, and the one drive they needed to have, Jalen Hurts came up big. They they, they went down the field. He is a clutch player. He's a tough player. And sure enough, he finds Devontae Smith deep and then they punch it in from one yard out. But they have so much depth and physicality, a team is going to have to match that and exceed it, and then at the end of games, too. I like Jalen Hurts in that situation. So a team is really going to have to play well. Uh, To have that amount amount of star power on their team and toughness in the trenches, there's not a lot of teams that could do that. And then the flip side of Kansas City, um, you know, Coming into this game, they only had eight touchdowns from their receivers. They're going to have to get better receiver play. And it's going to have to be somebody to emerge. And it's been dropped by Valdez-Scantling. Um, Tony has not been used as much as, you know, the the way that he would have the most success, you know, running those fly sweeps, being that guy in motion, getting, getting him the ball in space, him and Sky Moore. Have not been able to do that so far. So, so, so the Chiefs still having to work out receiving issues, uh, receiving inconsistency, and that's the one weak spot of the team because they're good everywhere else.
0: Next, I want to go to Sunday night football with the Vikings losing to the Denver Broncos, twenty-one to twenty. Are we starting to see a little bit of vintage Russell Wilson now, Kenny? You know... Clutch they're, last they're second getting, touchdown? Uh, what's that? I said clutch touchdown at the end for Russ.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's more of Sean Payton knowing the limitations he has with Russell Wilson and, 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 and working with those um, to get solid play. So So his QBR finished at 32. That is not very good. Now he did have a touchdown at the end, um, and he continues to be more efficient throwing the football. So last week I want to say he missed four or five throws only. This week it was only eight incompletions. He went 25 to 35, and they've been and Coach, and Coach Payton has been working um, around some of those early season mishaps. He's had He's still Not the player He was In Seattle Those days Are probably over And they're not Coming back And I think this is Really Sean Payton Seeing over the course Of the season It's such a long season um, Seeing what he has In Russell Wilson And then Coaching to his strengths And He has it, it, uh, um, His His splits probably, if you go down to the four-game splits, um, he's probably playing his most efficient winning football these last couple of weeks than he has in the beginning part of the year.
0: How do you think Sean Payton has been able to turn things around with ended with Denver? I mean, because now they're 5-5, five and five and they have a legit chance at the wild card.
1: He's a real good coach, and Um, he's he's starting to implement his ways and putting his stamp on this team now and working through the trials and tribulations of the season. So defensively, they have really improved since that 70-point game against the Dolphins, and their defense is much better. They're getting good pass rush, specifically using Brandon Browning a little bit more. And he's a guy that has some juice off the edge. Him and Jonathan Cooper, offensively, they've really begun to run the football well. Sean Payne is always a guy that wants to run the football, and they've done that with Jaleel McLaughlin. Now, Javante Williams is getting the majority of those reps, but they have... Two guys they try to keep fresh and use that as their way of playing ahead of the sticks, maybe shortening the game for their defense, and then working with Russell Wilson um, to be more efficient. And his touchdown to interception ratio is 19 to 4. And you take a look at the last several games now, um, it's been about three of the last four he's at 70% or better um, completion. So avoiding those risky throws, those downfield throws that can really hurt him and put him in bad situations, turn the football over, he is not doing that. So running the football, defensive improvement, getting on those guys, um, all of that has worked together for them to get back in this thing.
0: On the Viking side of things, do the Vikings have a little bit of a QB controversy with, you know, Russell... I mean, um, not Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins impending free agency. Is there any chance they can go with Josh Dobbs for next year?
1: No, I don't think... Uh, I mean, I don't think they would sign Josh Dobbs to start mm. and let Kirk Cousins walk. Um, you know, I, one of the things that I know they wanted to do was possibly upgrade at quarterback um probably via the draft but now that's out of the water with their winning record and where they're slated a pick um and I know there was some chatter that front office coaching staff players they do want Kirk Cousins back next year now I don't see them letting him walk for a compensatory pick and going with Josh Dobbs um if, if, if they do eventually move on from Kirk Cousins, they would probably want an upgrade there. If not, getting a high pick to take a rookie. So, um, that's probably the way that's going to go. Josh Jobso, now that he's in Minnesota, could be in their plans to be a backup and elevate that floor in the quarterback room if the starter ever went down or, you know, whether they want to go with a rookie and Dobbs, Um, but I would lean more towards them trying to work something out with Kirk Cousins, maybe, I mean, even if it's on a year-to-year basis
0: with him. Justin Jefferson. When's he coming back?
1: <clears throat> so last week they opened this twenty one day window. When you're on injured reserve, you get about three weeks to practice before they have to make a decision, do you activate the player, put him on the roster or not? So this was so so this week coming up, um, they played Next Monday night, this is week two of that window. So there's a chance he comes back um, for these week 12 games, the week of Thanksgiving. If not, it will be the following week. So within the next two weeks, um, he should come back. And, And now, being in the playoff hunt, that was something when he went on IR. I did not know if he was going to return, if they were going to activate his window, or play a slow with him. Now that they're get, now that they're back, right now in the seventh seed, and they have a better than fifty fifty shot to make the playoffs. It's either going to be this week or next week. Um, so they've worked their way all the way back, and you now and now they get Justin Jefferson.
0: Next, we're going to go to the Steelers losing to the Cleveland Browns in a big game, Kenny. Uh, what did it mean for the Browns to beat the Steelers 13-10 to and the dog pound, Kenny? This game was everything to the Cleveland Browns. <clears throat> They've had a chance the last
1: couple of weeks to exercise demons against their chief tormentors. They have beat the Ravens and Steelers in back-to-back weeks for the first time in franchise history and they do it almost in the exact same way at the end of the game. Their offense gets just enough offense to move down the field and the opponent does not have the timeouts to stop the clock to get the ball back. So for the second straight week, the Browns offense down there right around the 20-25 yard line, they're able to center the ball where Dustin Hopkins wants it and get a walk-off kick and to do that behind this defense and special teams which are I think the best defense in the NFL special teams in the NFL they need their offense to do just enough and they're gonna be in these games and they're gonna be a tough out because of that and um, they're one of the few teams that I think with their roster, especially with the personnel they have on defense, uh, this team is almost quarterback-proof, where they could, they, they, they just need their quarterback not to mess it up and turn it over. And Dorian Thompson-Robinson was, was um, decent in the second start, but for him to come up in the last two minutes, go four for four, and lead them to a field goal range. I think that really helps the perception of the kid with the team, with that locker room, and with the fan base that he that that he he was able to do that and win a key game.
0: How much did he? How much improvement did he show from his first start?
1: Yes, yeah, first start was a tough one. Um, you know he he. Found out about two hours before the game he was going to start on a game plan that was that was more based for Deshaun Watson, but you know he he made several mistakes. It was a National Football League, a no excuse league. But what I liked what he did in this game is they tailored a plan around him, and he was decisive enough on these short and intermediate routes to know where to go with the football and get the ball out quickly against that pass rush. And so having the full week of practice to do that was probably his best best attribute that I like from him. Um, and I also like something that has not changed is he got a big arm. He has a big arm. Sometimes he puts a little bit too much hot sauce on those passes. There, there, there were seven drops, um, and he was bringing the heat. About the hundred mile per hour fastball inside ten yards, Maybe want to bring it down a little bit more. But I, I, I liked how he was decisive with the full week of practice and had a good sense of where to go with the football. Um, and there were there was a couple throws he got away with 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 would be interceptions, but um, it was a better improvement
0: from that first time. why is Jalen Warren Jalen Warren not getting more carries than Najee Harris this to well, me is seeming something. like a Ezekiel Elliott Tony Pollard situation from the last few years
1: yeah I think the Steelers are asking themselves that same question too I think they, I mean, they might have won the game if they gave him the ball in the last couple of possessions especially that last uh, their last possession around that six six minute mark when they typically have taken the lead they would have given him the ball it might have been a different outcome and he is explosive there is no doubt about that and he popped off a 74 yard run um, he has a lot of juice and so that is going to be something where um, the Steelers have been able to run the ball the last two weeks coming into this game. That's now our third straight week. They've had a, a very good ru- rushing attack. Six, six a carry, 172 yards. Might want to give the ball a little bit more, maybe make it 55, 45, or 60, 40 in favor of Jalen Ward because he has, he has earned those carries and he is very explosive. And, you know, not giving him the ball in the fourth quarter, but not giving him the ball more when he was really getting in a good groove, I think Steelers are asking themselves the same question, and that goes after their offensive woos that they have had all year with Matt Canada.
0: So next, we're going to go to the Buffalo Bills uh, getting back on track versus the New York Jets. Uh, how did Joe Brady look as the new offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, Kenny?
1: You know, I thought it was an improvement from the previous couple of weeks. He was getting a lot of support up in the booth, a lot of pat on the bats and the quality control coaches, and this is one where, you know, I I thought he made a conscious effort here to still target Stefan Digg. He's got about 25% of the targets. That's a good number. Um but they were featuring everybody Josh Allen was going to Khalil Shakir a lot um, they, they continue to feature their tight end so you know maybe spreading it out more and they still have Stephon Diggs but if they spread it out more and now the defense does not know which of the five eligibles are going to catch it other than Stephon Diggs everyone else has an equal shot that could maybe help unlock their pass game, especially if maybe, you know, as we get more of a view on how Joe Brady and Josh Allen work together, if Josh Allen goes where whatever coverage the defense is in, if he just goes through his progressions and reads and throws it where the coverage dictates it, he could play more efficient football that way.
0: Do you think Khalil Shakir can surpass Gabe Davis to the Bill's number two wide receiver?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think he could do that. Um he's a guy that's gonna be used in that slot role, working that middle of the field with him and Dalton Kincaid, but he brings you know, a, a, a type of a skill set where he could be featured in different roles, in different route types, than just Gabe Davis going down the field. Um, deep. Now you still need that type of player on an offense to stretch the defense, but Khalil Sha- Shakir could even be used a little bit on the outside, It could be used in the spot, um, he could be used as a zone beater. So... He is going to be a guy to keep an eye on for the Bills. I think him and Kincaid, both of them, um, could be used more by both being efficient and catching the ball at Kincaid at six of the seven targets, um, more higher completion throws for Josh Allen, and then both of them work the middle of the field as the cover stick takes it. I think... uh, Josh Josh, Josh Allen can feature both of
0: those guys. Zach Wilson was benched again for the third-string quarterback, Tim Boyle. Is Zach Wilson's career over? This is the end of Zach.
1: So he'll find a backup spot somewhere. So his NFL career is not over, but... Team signing him to start, or even putting him in a quarterback competition in training camp, looks to be look looks to be a tough sell if you're going to say that's going to happen. Um, you know, Robert Sala tried as long as he can to protect the kid and have a good leash since Aaron Rodgers has been injured. They stuck with him for nine games, but he is just not cutting it. And eventually, locker rooms go look at Coach Sala and saying you're not putting us in the best chance to win. That if there was any other position group, any other player performing this bad, their playing time would be reduced. And still having him out there, it's not giving us the best shot to win. Now, they rallied around Mike White. We'll see how they do with Tim Boyle. Um, but he's just... He just Simply put, he's just... He's not progressing as a passer. He's not progressing in this offense. And... They kind of go into the games already defeated. with that, Wilson?
0: Next, let's go to the 49ers. Um... Uh beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Purdy Was this the best game of his career Three touchdowns, zero interceptions Over 330 yards
1: Now he's done that He has done that before I want to say But He has looked very good Since The bye week With the concussions Now that is the first time now he has had 300 yards and three touchdowns in a game. Um, so from that regard, this is the only time he's done that. Uh, but but since since that bye week, since he's overcome the concussions, or the concussion that he had um, previously, he's put together almost perfect games. Six touchdowns, no interceptions. Extremely efficient throwing the ball down the field, completing almost 75% of his passes. And very important to know too, he's doing that. He's got the he's got his four friends. He's got all four players healthy. McCaffrey, Ayuk, Kittle, Debo. And if he has those four, I mean, those were uh, those were the only four guys that caught passes. And with, with, with all four of those players, this is where he puts up numbers where he's getting some looks for MVP. Um, had that three-game losing streak in the middle part of the year. Now he's turned that around, and they're going to be dangerous. If they have those four guys and he's operating that offense and following the rules um, to go where he needs to go with the football, They're
0: tough. Next, uh, I want to go to the Miami Dolphins uh, beating the Las Vegas Raiders 22-13. Uh, Devon A. only had one carry. He left uh, the, the game with an injury, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. Any news on that? So, he left after one carry with,
1: with the knee. That was the same knee that he hurt that put him on IR. And they were already pretty cautious with Devin HM. Um They opened up his 21-day window, and it took three weeks for him uh, to be put back on the roster. So, they were careful with him. Then one carry in, he goes down again with a knee. So... Uh, I think the Dolphins are going to be careful with him um, and utilize Salvin Ahmed, Jeff Wilson, and complementary roles for Raheem Moser. But um, he did have a knee. I I think it's day-to-day, so he has not been ruled out for, for Friday's game, but it is going to be a short week on that Black Friday. Um, so I, so I would think for a while they would ease him back in for a couple of weeks.
0: The Dolphins, their offense has started to slow down a little bit. Why do you think that is?
1: So it's getting some tape on Tua and... You know, I know they hit a couple... They, they hit a two big plays over 30 yards. That's going to happen with them. But teams are going to play that two-safety look, really be disciplined to keep the ball in front of them, make a play right-handed. Opposite, because he's left-handed. But make him play plan B and plan C. And also, their offensive line is a little suspect now, Daryl, especially in pass protection. So this is a unit that, you know, they got Max Crosby. They could dial up some pressure, the Raiders, but teams are looking at how do we slow down this passing attack? Um, How do we win some one-on-one matchups other than playing that softer coverage, and making the Dolphins make short passes to gradually go down the field. But it's that offensive line, if they could win matchups up front to defense, they could get to two up, and any quarterback is going to struggle with pressure in his face. Um, maybe not drastic splits like some quarterbacks have, but that is the key to watch, is their offensive line and pass protection and if they could do that and get the two now he's not able to just play Cup so comfortable out there and go down the field.
0: What can Antonio Pierce do to keep his job?
1: You know, I... I'm not sure on this one. I, I don't know if he can. Um... It's always tough to hire the interim full-time. And you take a look just two years ago, if Rich Versace cannot keep his job after making the playoffs with them, I don't know if Mark Davis would ever sign an interim as the full-time head coach after that. And we've seen you know, over the last couple of years, or throughout time, that interim coach is just there to try to get a professional effort and take the team to the finish line with some grace. And because of that, you know, I think Antonio Pierce could be playing for maybe an assistant, like a um, an, an associate coach role, or a defensive coordinator role, not just for the Raiders, but... Some, some some tape for the entire league but the Raiders are um, going to want to reset this whole thing at the end of the year with their roster and they got Adams and Crosby but this is a roster that needs a lot of rework to be competitive in the AFC so you know Champ Kelly assistant GM well-respected around the league, perhaps he stays in his in his uh, role he had before the interim GM as a assistant GM. But this looks to be that the Raiders are going to do a complete rebuild, new coach, new GM.
0: So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and come up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to talk more week 11 of NFL action. Come up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Kenny Sim with us, getting expert for 247 Sports to break down and everything that went down for Week 11 of NFL Action. So, Kenny, the Packers beat the Chargers 23-20. to 20. Does, what does this say about Brandon Staley, first of all? Because I was listening to somebody talk, and they said, the team takes on the form of their head coach. I guess Brandon Staley got defensive during his press conference. What form have the Chargers taken over in Staley's tenure?
1: Well, I want to say they. I want to say they're bottom three. I I don't know if they've given up the most points as a defense under his three-year tenure in the NFL, but I know they're bottom three though. And that defense is, I know they were like bottom three and yards allowed, points, third downs with him over the last three years. But it's a team that has, like, like Brandon Staley, the hole is not as great as the sum of its parts, both defensively because they got some blue chip players. And as a team, because they got some blue chip players on both sides of the ball, and you know he saw a very dejected and very defensive Brandon Staley going toe to toe with reporters. I think he took the bait and he got he got roped into exactly what they wanted to do. He he he's he's feeling the heat with a response like that. He's feeling the heat, but this has just been unacceptable. The last two years with them, starting with that wild card meltdown. And then this year, they're four and six. And even if you look, I mean, you look at, say, a team that got a Justin Herbert, if they could rattle off some wins, they're going to need to go probably five and two, six and one. I don't see that happening with as many close teams they play in. And it's just that belief. Cleveland Browns have that belief this year in the fourth quarter, when it gets close, the Chargers tighten up. And they had a lot of drops on Herbert. I'm usually critical of Herbert. Touchdowns were dropped. Quinton Johnson, their rookie first-round pick, has not progressed. And this was a game where Guyton, Palmer, Mike Williams, all were out. Quinton Johnson dropped a huge catch that would have set them up um in, in scoring territory it was at the end of the game, third down, wide open, dropped it. He continues to struggle, getting off coverage. He's always had that drop issue going back to TCU. Um but this is it's just it's just the team tightens up at the end. And sometimes if you talk about it, you do it more. That could be the case. With the Chargers.
0: Give me the chances that the Packers make the playoffs as the seventh seed
1: so they're one and a half out um, and they're one game out in the loss column to Minnesota and there's several teams in that 4-6 to gridlock that they have and for the Packers I would say they have less than a 50% chance and for them it's really going to come down to these next two games. So they play the Lions on Thanksgiving, and then they play the Chiefs. Because if they fall now to 4-8, and eight, that's not going to happen. So they have to at least split these next two games. So they're 7.5-point dogs to the Lions. I suspect at home to the Chiefs, they're going to be close to that same total. Um, it's, it's going to come down to the next two games, if they could stay within distance because then they play Giants, Bucks, Panthers. But also remember, this is not a good team to begin with, so there's no easy wins you just chalk up for them. But next two weeks is going to really help guide them uh, or or it's going to be a big part in determining if they have a shot at the playoffs or not. Remember, teams after Thanksgiving, teams after Thanksgiving, they get hot and make the playoffs. So Packers, are they going to do that, or are they going to you know, end up dropping three out of the last four if they lose to the Lions and Chiefs?
0: Next, we have the Rams beating the Seattle Seahawks 17-16. to Kenny, what did you make of this game?
1: Well, this is a game, I want to say, Sean McVay, what he's uh, I think he's uh, eleven and zero against the spread when facing Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Um, he wins more than two thirds of the time when these matchups happen. He has the Seahawks number, and every so often in these divisional games, sometimes there's just a quirky matchup. And a team has an advantage, and this is the case here in the West, where the Rams continue to have an advantage over the Seahawks. They end up sweeping the series over the Seahawks, and this was a game where they were down, they were down 13 nothing, and then Tino Smith got banged up with an elbow. He then came back into the game and was not all that uh, he, he was not totally effective, and the Rams were able to chip away and eventually come alive in that fourth quarter and get the win. Um, you know, even even with the uh, goal line stop by the Seahawks, they were able to force a field goal by the Rams, and that put the Rams up one, and they were still able to hold, hold off Seattle. And they, like Green Bay, four and six, a game out in the loss column to Minnesota, the 7th seed.
0: Why does it seem like Seattle's not taking the step that they need to take it to actually be a contender in the NFC?
1: Right, so, you know, one of the things from the last two years is Geno Smith has not been effective as he was last year, so this year he's playing... More like an average starter, which is probably when Russell Wilson left. Kind of the idea with Geno Smith is he could be a compliment to a young team and they could be around that 500 mark and see what they have. So this year, he's he's dropped off in completion percentage, yards per attempt, uh, touchdowns, interceptions. Everything has been down. Um, And then defensively, I know they have been up and down. And the turnovers that they were getting last
0: year are not coming back this year. So next, we're going to go to the Dallas Cowboys blowing out. The Carolina Panthers, 33 to 6 Was that the score of that game, Uh, 33-6? 33-10. 33-10, excuse me. I I forgot the four points. Well, same thing. Uh, Cowboys got the chance to utterly decimate the Panthers. You got to see one of the best teams in the NFL against arguably one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think I was looking at this. Dallas has, like, the largest differential or whatever. They've been one of the more dominant teams in the history of the league since, like, the 2007 New England Patriots. Uh, But yet they lose to all these really good teams. Why does Dallas feast on these bad teams? It seems like nobody else destroys these bad teams like Dallas does. You know, Dallas at the top of their roster has
1: excellent personnel. And... They're able to utilize that and get going against subpar teams. So, offensive line issues for Carolina. Michael Parsons, elite pass rusher, he's going to have a day. (coughs) P.D. Lamb, again, going up against subpar corners. They're going to get him. Going and he has matchups that they utilize. Dak Prescott, very good against these type of teams. You know, solid quarterback playing a subpar team, he's able to do that. Um, so they have very good personnel to be able to take advantage of the bad teams and 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 use their stars, feature their stars. They make big plays and. They could go down the field. Defense can turn you over, get three and outs, more possessions for the offense, and they jump out on these teams. Um, but you know, seven and three—they're a solid team, and you know it's going to come down to what they're what they're able to do against the better teams in the playoffs.
0: Next, we're going to go to the Lions and the Chicago Bears in a matchup. that saw the Lions coming back from behind, uh, scoring 17 in the fourth quarter to beat the Bears. What were your thoughts on this game, Kenny?
1: Yeah, this was a game where the Detroit Lions, I know they were at the top of the league in scoring at home. Uh, They, you know, averaged 30 points at home over the last two years under Dan Campbell. So, this is one where they were still able to do that despite a rare bad game from Jared Goff. He had three turnovers, um, but Jameer Gibbs was featured in the passing game a lot. They targeted him six times. David Montgomery came back, and he gave them that hammer in the backfield, and they were able to hold off a feisty... Bears team. Now this is a divisional matchup and one of the things to be looked at is how the Lions do kind of in, these ne- in this next month because they play a really soft schedule and they got the Bears coming up again. Um, I want to say they got Green Bay. So do they hammer these teams or do they begin to play down to their competition a little bit? Especially this is the first time under Dan Campbell, and the first time in a while where the Lions now have expectations, and they're now dealing with prosperity and how they deal with that. Um, but they play a lot of subpar teams coming up. So, do they play down to the down to their competition, or do they roll these teams?
0: Are the Lions ready for the Eagles?
1: So, this is a team that they're strong in both trenches as well. Little little Eagles light, 49ers light. I think the Lions are up for the challenge. And they have a slew of ways to get to the quarterback other than Aiden Hutchinson. Their defense, especially in the back end, to keep the ball in front of them, they're greatly improved. And I have a lot of faith in what Ben Johnson, who is going to be a, Very well known candidate to be a head coach next year, and he's going to have his choice of many job openings. What he is able to do from a game plan perspective with Jared Goff, I think they're able to put up points on almost anyone. And how they feature all their guys, you know, the running backs, St. Brown and Laporte over the middle, Um, I like their chances to be able to go score for score. With Eagles, Cowboys, 49ers.
0: So the Texans beat the Cardinals 21-16. to What was the story of this game, Kenny?
1: Yeah, so they were able to beat the Cardinals. Um, you know, this was a game stuff that, that C.J. Stroud is human. He is not Superman at quarterback yet. He had three interceptions. Still, still though for 336 yards, 9-1 in an attempt. Um, ended up putting together a solid game, but he did make some mistakes. And, you know, they had a turnover. Um, they, they they turned it over on downs in the uh, red zone. They had a couple of red zone turnovers, and on their last series, um, they were moving the ball and they're up five, a chance to make it a two-score game, if not an eight-point game. And they had an uh, interception. Uh, Stroud threw his third interception of the game in Arizona territory, and that gave the Cardinals a shot to pull the upset. But give credit to the Texans for protecting home field advantage, and they ended up beating the bad teams. They're going to need to do that to keep building that win log. you got to be able to beat the bums. And... They did that, and they move on. Tank Dell continues to be the top target of C.J. Stroud, and these are two rookies. Um, you add those two guys in with Will Anderson. One of the reasons why the Texans are six and four is they might have the most per, the the most impactful rookie class when you look at each team's rookie class in totality. Stroud. Will Anderson and now what I think is their top wide receiver, Tank Dell. He had eight for one hundred and forty-nine and a touchdown.
0: What do you credit the emergence of Tank Dell for?
1: What do I credit what with with, uh,
0: the the emergence of Tank Dell?
1: Yeah, the Tank Dell. I mean, he's he's a shifty guy that. You know he's he's a smaller guy, only five ten, and it's tough to it's tough to get a hand on him. And if you're not able to do that, he's shifty and explosive enough in the slot in those tight areas to cause some separation. And then he's 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 quick enough where he catches the ball and he's able to get up the field with some gaps. So. He's, he's a shifty, explosive slot receiver, and um, you know I, I think they I, I think Dell and Stroud they either knew each other at the combine or they kind of hit it off well, and that led to both of them remarkably were both drafted on the same team, so they have built a chemistry throughout rookie minicamp through the season so you add that in with, with, with the quarterback having to trust in the receiver and building that chemistry um, those are a couple of reasons why Tank Dell is really hitting, uh, really having a nice rookie year for a receiver and he's found really early success in his career
0: Kenny I don't think you've going on the podcast man I appreciate it
1: right and thanksgiving i'm thankful for you and this podcast and thankful for everyone you matter
0: and once again i want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode the 565th episode of barbershop sports talk
1: I